want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read Luke, uh, and then I'm going to jump in with you guys in 2 Timothy. And uh, as you're doing that, I want to see, is, is Gretchen and uh, Gwendolyn still in the building? I know that they were earlier. They're in the back. Um, I, I want her to stand. This is little girl, uh, McKee's from uh, Texas, and she's been on our prayer list for a long time. And sometimes when we have these long-distance prayer requests, and we're, we're praying and praying and praying for a, a miracle of God for healing and restoration. Sometimes it's nothing more than a name, and we're blessed to have them and be able to see the victory that God has given this little girl in her life. And so let's give her a hand and just let her know we're a church family. We love them. We're praying for them. And uh, when we're connected like that, the, the body of Christ travels all over this nation, and it doesn't have to be somebody sitting in the pew across from you. And uh, we, we reach out, we love, we support, we encourage. And I know we have a lot of people that we're praying for. Uh, I found out that Merle Chenault just had a death in his family and uh, we, of his brother passing away. That, that's, that's when we get behind them. And you say, what's the church going to do about that? Have you ever heard anybody make that comment? They say, well, what's the church doing for them? I, I like to turn to them and say, what are we doing for them? You know, it's like... Who is this magical church? I don't, I don't know if they have this idea that this building comes alive like a transformer and starts walking through the world and doing things. No, let us never, ever, ever, ever forget that when we say the church, you just need to take a picture, uh, your finger just like this and then do this number right here, all right? They just say, oh, that's, oh, oh what are we going to do about that? That's right. We are the church. And I, I want to take this concept of family because in, in just a, a week or two, I'm, I'm going to be busting this open big time. And I, I'm not ready to preach the message that I'm getting ready to preach and the, the series that I'm about to. But I just had this on my mind and my heart so much that I, I had to say something. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things that I've got it laid out. I've got all these thoughts and everything in my heart. And then uh, something happened this week. A number of things happened this week. But this is one of them. Just this past week, and some of you have said this uh, or heard this, I don't know all the details behind it, I'm, I'm not going to be able to act like I do, but I heard enough about it to put off some red flags to go, oh wow, that Obama is pushing some laws now, and we knew this was coming, to now make the homosexual issue now uh, on the level of discrimination. Which literally means if you take a stand against it, and they point it out, and the whole article was two churches that I read saying, beware, because this is the line that they cross. You, you can have your opinions, but now your opinions are going to be labeled as discrimination. So to, to, to say and get up and preach against something, saying marriage is between a man and a woman, if they pass this or if it gets further, and of course right now it's just in the rumor stages, the talking stages or whatever, we knew this was coming, but it will be to where if we get up on a Sunday, we're not, right now we can do it because we have religious freedoms. We can say and do what we want because we've got freedom of speech. But when they put the law against it saying it's discrimination, all of a sudden now when I get up to preach, I might not be going out and doing, breaking the law of what we say, but I'm discriminating and, and, and putting walls up around our church against people and, and it would be breaking the law at that point. We always thought persecution. We don't know persecution, do we? I mean, in America, how many of you have seen, is watching the news and stuff, of people are literally losing their heads? I'm not trying to be gruesome, but maybe we need to be gruesome a little more to understand. 
People are dying around this world for being Christians. They're busting down homes. They're shooting dads in front of their children. And, and uh, I, I've seen some of the videos. I've watched the footage. I'm not saying that I'd walk in here and throw it on the screen right here just for the sake of who's here. But I'm telling you, we need to be very, very, very well aware that this stuff is going on. And nowhere have I read that God said that there's going to be Americans or anybody else that would be above this or not be persecuted or not be tried for their faith. In Luke chapter 21, and all this is going to tie together, and you're, when I'm reading at the beginning, you're going to be like, I thought you were preaching on family. Just so you know, the family that I'm preaching on, if you want to know, it's not how to get along with your mother-in-law, and some of you probably need a message like that. It's, it's not any of those things. I, I'm talking about the church family. And uh, in Luke 21, and I'm going to read this, you can stay in 2 Timothy, it says, So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So God laid some things out to say, I don't want them being taken back. I'm going to let you guys know, when you see these things happening, know, you better perk up a little bit. Verily I say to you that this generation, now I, I've used this before, I've preached this before, I love this passage. Because not very often in, in 2014, in this day and age, in the New Testament church, does God call out a specific generation. He did in the Old Testament. He called out the children of Israel, and he called out different things, and he says, I'm gonna, you are a chosen people. In this passage right here, he calls out and he says, this specific generation. So if, if this is us, and we're seeing these things come to pass... You are being talked about right now in Scripture. God's calling out and saying, there will be a one specific generation that I'm going to call out, and they will be the last voice, the last church, the last preacher, the last choir. They will be the last ones to say, hey, the Lord is coming. Boom, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, absent from the body, present with the Lord, that's coming one day. That is on my heart. That is on my mind. And we could be at the threshold of that. I mean, we could, we could be standing right there. And I'm excited. Amen. I can't wait. But I tell you, when I cross over that, I'm afraid to look back and see who I left behind. You know why I was at Teen Revolution and I'd go to the altar just as much as the teens were? Because I was praying for those that were sitting in the pews of my church. I was praying for, for my kids. I was praying that God would shake my son up. I was praying that God would shake our teens up. I was praying that God would move us. Because there is coming a day when I can't do that. It's hard for us to understand, but do you realize there is coming a day when I will not be able to pray for the lost? I sit there and say, I can't even process that thought. When I can't pray for, Yes. There is coming a day when it's, it, the Bible says that we will be taken up to heaven. It's done. That, that chapter is closed. This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He's, he's given us a specific. And now, now I, I, I want to take you guys now. We're going we're gonna to jump up here. And I, I want... I want to transition now into the church. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now I'm with you guys on this. 
I, I, I want to say that I can see them, but I don't know if I could really tell you that I'm experiencing difficult times. I mean, it is more difficult than it was. But it's saying perilous, difficult times are going to happen. So if you've got this idea that being a Christian is easy straight, you are in for a big disappointment. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Let me just lay it out that they're going to be very selfish. It's going to be a me generation. We're talking about this generation, the end time, it's going to be me generation. What I want, I don't like this. I, 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 men, are, men are going to become lovers of what they like rather than lovers of what God said. Covetous and boasters are going to be proud. People that can't admit when they're wrong, blasphemers and disobedient to parents, unthankful. When we can live in a nation with as many freedoms as we have and people will still raise the red, white, and blue flag and burn it, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers and false accusers and incontinent fears and despisers of those that are good. Traitors and heady and high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Paul was telling Timothy, and, and he was writing to a church, just so you guys get this in your mind, that difficult times are coming. But I could say in 2014 that difficult times are not just coming, but they're here. It has become difficult to hold marriage together. You talk about lovers of pleasure do you realize, and I'm not getting up and harping on this, it's just, it's just part of our society, but when it comes lovers of pleasure and things will become difficult, the very concept of social media has creeped into marriages and ripped marriages apart today. And I'm, I'm not, I, I've got Facebook, I've got Twitter, I've got those things, I'm not preaching against them, but I'm saying the devil has, has even within the walls of the local church, is literally ripping families apart so many distractions, so many temptations. People are so busy that they don't have time for family. Can I say that again? In this day and age, we have become so busy in this generation that we have become too busy for family. And there's got to be times where we just have to say, no, we're going to do that together. There's times that we have to say, what? No. No. Uh, we're, 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 we're not doing that. I cannot show up for that. I need to be with my family. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm not just talking about my physical family of Jordan, Logan, Jenny, and Morgan. I, I'm going to tell you, I need to be with you guys. There are times that I need to stop being busy to be with you guys. Because God ordained this. I, with all of my heart... Believe in what we're doing right now because my God ordained this. My God laid this out. My God had this plan for us to be together. It says about disobedient to parents. This is bread in our day and age. Isn't it hard to find a TV show where it shows teenagers that are honor and obey their parents? Why is it that they have to show teenagers and to show the character of a teenager, it's teenagers rebelling or they can't connect with mom and dad? Let me tell you, that is a lie of the devil that teens should not connect with mom and dad. Within our entertainment, we see all these things personified, lifted up and exalted. There is opposition. And I got to that one where it says, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
Lovers of eating out more than lovers of giving to the church. Lovers of their favorite TV show that they can't miss. But I wish they felt that same way about church. Oftentimes, church is one of the first things that goes when people get busy. And I'm not surprised by that. But when we get into what I'm about to show you about perilous times and what God had a plan for this that I know that there's always been problems and sin and trials and things like this, but l- let me show you this. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, we're going to jump around in Paul pouring his heart into this young preacher, and he says that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. I, I want you to know, and I'm not trying to be negative, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is so depressing. No, I- I'm here to tell you this. God has not put in my brain to walk around fearful. I don't care who gets on TV and says, what about the local church? I don't care about what law that gets passed. I don't care what opposition heads to the church. I don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in Tony than he that is in Columbus. That is just the truth. We have to have that in our hearts to understand that we do not have to have a spirit of fear. And he's telling this young man this. And all of his teaching, he's getting this out. There's a passage in the Bible that ties into this. And I'm going to jump over to Hebrews 10.25. And honestly, I I almost get convicted sometimes because I don't want to be jumping all over. I love to get into a passage and and dive into it. But I, I could not skip this and it's still the same subject about the, the being the family in the last days or however you want to work it but he said not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching let me tell you what bothers me about this passage let me tell you what bothers me about us as a church and how we read this passage what bothers me is the fact that we emphasize only half of the passage And that is we will beat the drum day in and day out about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Which literally means if you want to write off to the side, it says go to church. That's what that means. Go to church. Turn off the TV, go to church. Get out of bed, go to church. Stand up, go to church. Whatever is going on. God says don't forsake the assembling of God's people coming together. I um, have been working on my house and I know I have all these house illustrations and things. You realize that I, I have this room that's decked out with tools everywhere. I could have all the best tools, but if I don't use the tool in the right way, I got so frustrated because my drill, that is this 19.2 volt drill, would not drill one screw into the board that I was doing. I, I could not get one, and I'm thinking, am I weak? Is the, my drill broke or whatever? No, it was in reverse. That, that's all that was the problem. And I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting frustrated. And I'm like, come on, just get in there. And I thought, oh, it's in reverse. So it doesn't matter if you have all the power. But if you're not using it in the right way, it does not matter. It's not a matter of us assembling ourselves together. Yay, you showed up. But if we don't show up for the right reasons, then it's all in vain. Because he said... As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And he said, in this, so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's a matter of understanding that God said, it's not just showing up to a building. It is what my people do when they get in the building. 
And I am proud of you for being here today. I am proud of the fact that you are taking up 16, 18, 21 inches of that pew or whatever that section is. I am, I am proud of the fact that we stood and sat and sang and stood and sat and sang and shook hands. But I'm here to tell you that he says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, you better to learn to edify one another. Not just forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but it's what we do when we come together. I want to preach on family for the next however many minutes that I have. I want you to get that the word exhorting one another means to call near, to invite, to invoke, to comfort, to give, to entreat, to pray. The word here, invoke, means to help or inspire. God says, you say, man, things are getting difficult. Man, times are getting tough. Man, it's... uh, People are becoming unthankful. My kids are becoming disobedient by all that list that we read. It's great. But God said, as you see these things come to order, all these things coming to light, all these things transpire, God says, my people better wake up and understand this is what I want you to do. When you see those things, do this all the more because you need this. We cannot survive without what we're doing. If you're going to scratch something from your week because you've gotten too busy, it better be Facebook or movies. It it better be something that you have. I know we all have busyness, but I'm telling you, the last thing that you need to scratch from the list needs to be the coming out of one another because we need to exhort, lift up, help. That word comfort means, means to bring hope or help to. I just passed a lady in the aisle sitting with us right now. She said, two weeks ago, my son was killed in a car accident. I don't even know. She's sitting right next to you or behind you right now. Who's going to help these people? Let me ask you, who's going to help these people? Who's going to lift them up and show them comfort and love? Is my son and your son and your daughter and all these things and they, they turn around and, and they get to that place and they become rebellious in, in this world and they're getting taught this in school and that on TV and everything. Who's going to have my back? Please don't tell me I'm alone. Because I see, as, and so much more as I see the day approaching and as I get there and everything, you know what God says? It's just like in a, in a football game, okay? We, we all understand this concept. It, it's getting tight and things are getting, they're beating us up. That the enemy is striving to win. He wants to win with all he's got. You know, at some point, you know what the coach does? He'll sit there and say, call a timeout, call a timeout. And he'll blow that whistle and he'll go, guys, get in here. Guys, get in here. You know what they do? They, 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 they get in a huddle. And they put their arms around each other and they kind of, come on, guys, we're here for one another. And guys, don't lose heart. You guys understand that we can do this. And, and they sit there and they start slapping each other on the back and they start building each other up. Here's the problem. That a lot of times when we think of the church family or church, Richard, this, this is what we think of right here. That, that's church right there. Man, I'm part of a church. I'm part of the body of Christ. You know what I read? There's so much more as you see the day approaching. This is actually what God's saying that we see. Say, where'd you get that picture? That that was taken on, I think, Wednesday night of our teen revolution. That was the teens that went down the altar, and every one of them, one by one, 
they were writing down on a piece of paper and the different services that we did of things that they were struggling with and going through. That's not something we like to do. I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. I don't want anybody all up in my business. Thing is, you can't handle your business alone. You weren't meant to handle your business alone. The Bible says to cast all your care upon him for he cares for you, but I'm going to fill you in on another part of that. He said to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's something about a brother going through a hard time. And you know what Pastor Tyler did? He said, guys, come in, let's pray together. And they banded together as a church to lift up, to edify, to comfort, to help, to pray. And the definition, which literally means to lift up a spiritual heart, problems, difficulty, and heaviness of one another. The reason why I'm saying all this is I, wanna, I, I just want to look at what Paul was telling Timothy about this church family. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, we see the value of the church. I, I want you to see the value of the family. See, Paul was going through a difficult time. And he's sitting there and he's saying, you're, you're not going to say, I thank thee for the pews in which thou sittest upon. I, I thank you for the song which you will sing on Sunday. Verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Timothy said, my dearly beloved son. Was it his son? It wasn't his son. It was his son in the faith because they, they went through a lot of hard times together. But Paul knew I was never alone because I have a family. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from the forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Did you guys start picking up on Paul's heart as he's telling this young man about church, about who we are and what we do and why we come together, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that may be filled with joy. No, no, let me ask you guys, does this sound like church to you? Because in the eyes of God, God says, that's the church that I had planned out. That's the church that I want. In Galatians 3.26, it was the Bible that says that ye are the children of God by faith. We are the children of God. We are the sons of God. And let me say, by me saying that, we are extremely blessed to have what we have sitting here today. Let me, let me tell you about the value of the family name. Let me just tell you that when we think of different family names, we think of Bill Gates. I mentioned the name Gates. We think of computers. I, I could sit there and list off different names about uh, Bush or, or things, and something's going to come to mind. I could list off the name of, like, Liuzzo, and everybody thinks of dashing good looks. <laughs> There's just certain names that come to mind that make you think of something. Let me tell you, as I want to talk to my brothers and sisters really fast, just for a minute, now that we're in the living room, all right, we all showed in the living room for this family meeting. Let, let, me, let me tell you that our God is awesome. Let me tell you the value of this, that we stand and we sing and we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. I, I'm not just an orphan, I'm not just a kid, I'm not just rambling through life. I, I get to tell people that I am a child of the one true king. 
I've been bought with a price. I'm saved. I'm not on my way to hell. I've been restored. All these things. We are the family. Our Father is Jesus Christ. We have value in what we have. We have a heritage of everything that God has laid down for us, for us to be where we're at. The grace that we embrace, the love that we have, everything that we have, we are blessed because of what God has given us to do what we do. My kids were to come to me. Let me pull this into my family illustration. My kids were one day to realize and click and go, wow, Dad, looking back, you clothed us, you fed us, you... You loved us, you gave us a house, you did all these things. And dad, I just never realized that growing up. But now that I'm there, dad, I, I just don't, I don't know, how could I ever thank you? And I, I mean, I think every parent dreams of that day coming. And some of you have had that experience. But one day I want my kids to go, wow, dad, you weren't just out to get me. You loved me, you cared for me, you invested in me, you kept me in church. Dad, wow, thank you. What can I do to repay you? You know what I would say to my kids? Just take all the heritage and the blessing that God has given us as a family and use it to keep serving Him. We are a spoiled, rotten family. God has been good to us. And I think if God looked down at His family and said, what are you going to do with it? God would turn around and just say, bring glory to me. Praise me. Embrace the blessing that you have. Don't sit there and uh, and, and, and walk over all that I've given you, which brings me right to the second point. It's not only the value of our family, but let's talk about the feuds of a family. You'd say we were, it would be great if we didn't have feuds, but the problem is we're people. And as long as you have people coming together, you're going to have feuds within family. How many of you have a family that has never fought before? Raise your hand right now. I was going to have, if you raise your hand, I was going to, call you down to the altar for lying but uh, I guess I don't have to do that I don't care if you have the best mother-in-law and father-in-law in in the world I I don't care if you guys got married on a cloud and Jesus was there I mean it's just there it's there's going to be problems in family and you you can't bring this many odd people together and I'm, I'm sorry to call you odd but that's what you are And not have problems. It's, we are the number one target of Satan, okay? He, just, just for the record, he cannot take this away from us. Do or die with all the power, he can, he can crack open the gates of hell, which the Bible says, but it will not prevail. It cannot overcome this. I can stand fast. I, I could sit there. If, if the gates of hell open up, I can stand here with the church and sit there. And I'll tell you what, he has no chance. The Bible says that the word of God will be preserved for all generations. We'll never lose it. There's not a time. There's not a day and age. There's not one child. There's not one adult down the, down the road will ever get up there and say, Oh man, I'm going to do my best this morning. But we lost God's word a long time ago. So we're going to take the, the shrapnel, the, the pieces, and just do our best. What never, ever, ever is going to happen. I say all that to say this. He can't take it away, but he sure can divide us. You say, how in the world, if we're standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, if we have all this going for us, if we have all this, then how in the world does Satan shut down so many churches? He just draws a big, fat, ugly wedge within the people. 
He loves to cause division. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and Corinthians, he dealt with this issue of division, of jealousy and pride and frustration. The church was getting nothing done because they could not get along. Just like family, it's easy to get under one another's skin. It's easy to sit there and think that I don't like how he does that. and We do that in one another all of a sudden, we don't even show up or want to go to the other side of the church to sit somewhere because brother so-and-so was sitting over there. And I'm not saying this because I've got something heavy on my heart. And sometimes I preach things because there's something on my heart that I want to sit there and say, I want to fix a problem. I'm not doing that this morning. I want to prevent a problem. I, I want to sit up there and tell you, as a family, we've got to avoid and making sure that we do what the Bible says. The Bible says in Mark 3.24, and if a kingdom be divided it, it, against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Impossible. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Let, let me just roll out. I, I know I'm, I'm debating in my heart even what to say, but I think the Lord wants me to say this. If you have a problem with somebody and you decide that you're going to go to another church to avoid that problem, you are sinning. Can I say it again? You are sinning. You might try to leave the problem, but all you're going to do is drag that problem into that church. The Bible says in Matthew 18, if I have a problem with you or you have a problem with me, my job is to go to you and get it right. Because that's the only way that unity will be preserved within the church family. Paul dealt with this a lot because his heart was to see that church rise up and make a difference. You remember this, that our God always forgives us. We can always go before dad and knock on the throne of heaven and dad I messed up. God turns around and says, come here son. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us. And then we walk right into the living room and we punch brother in the arm and say, I'll never forgive you. God looks out at us and says, whoa, come back in here. What are you doing? Why is it that you sit there and reach out for my forgiveness, but you can't do it with brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? What has happened to us? And, and I've had people even say these words to me and say, I don't think I could ever forgive them. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that with you? Let me close with this. I just, I'll, I'll be honest, but I did. I, I started working on my message. And I was reading through Timothy and, and, and what he was saying. And he was going through, through his heart and everything. And I said, Lord, I want that. Lord, I, I don't want to go to church. I want to be the church. I, 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 want there, I want us to be the church family. And let me show you my last point. We'll be done. 2 Timothy 2.24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. It's a word. It's not spoken a lot. The word strive means to war, to quarrel, to dispute, to fight, to strive. It's not talking about spiritual warfare. It's literally talking about us. Brothers, he said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. A peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will 
You see, let me tell you guys, what we have here right now in this room ought to be one of the most attractive things in this world. I'm not just saying that. When they go to a bar and, and they're sitting there knocking each other out and they're, you looking at my girlfriend and all this other garbage that goes on there. And then, then they walk into the church and there's, are you sitting in my seat? And you, they get the same stuff. And, and then yet we have the example of our father that walked into the room with the disciples and took off his honor robe and got down and washed each other's feet. Maybe we just need a good old-fashioned foot washing in our church. People are like, okay, we'll do better. <laughs> Last thing I want to do is touch any of your feet. I love you, but keep your feet in your socks, all right? <laughs> do you know why he did that? He humbled himself to take care of the needs of those that he loved so much. Let me tell you, the greatest thing that pleases my heart is seeing my children take care of one another. I, I, I can't describe to you in words. Me and Jenny about had a conniption when we were on our trip. We, we got, uh, my kids are in Alabama, and that's where Pastor Dave is right now. He's in Alabama with my mom, and, uh, and dad and my family are all there. And we got, a, we got a, a picture message from them, and it showed my daughter and my son hugging each other. We're like, are they hugging each other? Oh, dear God, thank you, Lord. I mean, just, it brought so much pleasure to us. I was like, that is awesome, man, alive. I, I love, it gives me great joy to see my children dwell together in unity. Let me tell you, it gives God great joy to see us taking care of one another. There, there's a way to do this. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also ye do. The word edify literally means to build up. Then we, we get into Ephesians where the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is to the use of what? Edifying. I was with one of the guys that was going to preach at Teen Revolution. He was our Friday morning speaker. His name was John. And he's back there and he said, he was, we, we were both talking, we we're both pastors. And he said, Man, I can't wait to preach Sunday. I said, what are you preaching on? He said, I'm preaching on uh, edification, and he's similar to this right here. And he said this, and I'm, I, I haven't researched this. I'm going by what he said. He said, in a normal conversation, if there is eight thoughts being communicated between two people, he said, on average, six of them are negative. It is human nature to tear each other down. Let me say this even step further than that. It's not only human nature, it's sin. We battle within ourselves to complain, to talk about what we don't like, what I do, this and that, and whether it's home, it's at work. That's a big one. We're sitting there and they go, I hate this job. And, I got to and God's saying, I gave you that job. It's paying your bills, dude. Where would you be without that job? And you're saying, what does this have to do? I'm telling you right now that as a family, it is important that we care for one another. And we care for one another by what we say. Let me ask you, when's the last time you walked into our church with the goal to walk up and edify one another? When's the last time that you walked into your family, your brothers and sisters, and you put your arm around them just to tell them that you love them? And I've got plenty of people that do that with me, and I, I thank you. But don't put me on a pedestal just because I'm your pastor. And you look over your shoulder and say, you have brothers and sisters that need that as well. Let me, 
Let me, let me show you this, caring for one another. The Bible commands us that we're to care for the wounded. I am saying that there are people that are wounded that come to this church, and if the body of Christ does not care for them, then simply tell me how will they be cared for? Wounded spiritually, wounded physically, wounded emotionally. The Bible tells us to care for the wayward. The Bible, we read that. I don't have time to go into that again, but let me tell you, it's easier to step over them and to keep going than it is to go back for the wounded when we're in war. Right now, there are people that God has put in my mind, even this past week, and I thought, oh my goodness, where have they been? It's a scary thing to have somebody missing an action, an action of the body of Christ, and for nobody of the body of Christ to go back and pick them up. And I know what you're all thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor Tony, that's your job. No, it's not. I can read you the description of a pastor. I'm going to tell you right now, let's scratch that, let me back up. It is my job when it comes to me being a saint of God, but it does not fall underneath my role as being a preacher of the word of God. You say, what do you mean by that? We are all called to be caring for the body of Christ. All of us. Don't shift that responsibility. You know why we're failing at this? Is because too many people are shifting the job to somebody else. It's like when you call out to your kids and say, somebody needs to take out the trash, just so your parents know that never works. Don't ever call into there, somebody needs to be do the dishes. You know what they all say? They all point to everybody else. Here in the, in, in the, in the living room right now, I call out and say, who's going to go check on brother so-and-so? I thought they were going to do it. I thought that was the deacon. No, it's all of our jobs. I love that. I'm waiting for the day where all three of my kids jump up and say, let me do it. No, I want to do that. I don't know if that ever happened, but hey, let me dream a little bit. Caring for the wounded, caring for the wayward, caring for the without. Do you realize that there are people that come into this church that just don't assume because somebody walks into the family that they know our father? I, I, I know that a lot of people have mixed emotions about how we do certain things around here, but I tell you, all of us, all of us on Sunday when we have a crowd should have our game face on and pointing people to Jesus. All of us. Whether it's somebody in the hall, it's somebody in connecting points, somebody out at the altar, or somebody in the pew, you better have your eyes and ears open to look out and reach out to those that are without Jesus. And then also, let me close with this, caring for those that are within Caring for those that are within. I love you guys, but there is no way that I can be there for each and every one of you guys. But there's something amazing about brothers taking care of brothers and sisters taking care of sisters. And being able to reach out in this past week, um, uh, the week before last, me and my wife, we were working on our house. And every single day, we had a member of the church show up with dinner at our door while we were working and painting and scraping and all that other stuff. You say it was just a meal. Oh, no, it wasn't. They encouraged me on levels that I can't even explain. When I read the passage, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching, 
I'm here to tell you that we can keep assembling all day long, but if we don't learn to exhort and edify and build up and help and care for and reach out one another, we will fail in the last days. And if God has said, hey, this generation will not, will not pass away till they see all these things, this will be the final generation. And God's sitting there saying, Tony, you are the pastor of this generation. I want to run to the pulpit. I want to beat the drum. I want to scream out and say, hey, the Bible says that there's a way for us to win the last battle. There's a way for us to stand firm. There's a way for us to stand strong. But it's got to be through the edification, the united, it's of the church body coming together to accomplish the work that he's given us to do.